Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number three in what I think is such an incredible series called The Coming King. I'm telling you, the only problem I'm having with this series is not trying to find what I want to put into it, but trying to figure out what I can leave out of it. There is so much. You know, there are more prophecies about the times that we live in today than any other time in the entire Bible. There are more prophecies about the days that we are living in now than there were about the first coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, that, that's pretty amazing. And when you look at the accuracy of the prophecies of the first coming of the Lord Jesus, and you realize that we've, we've got over 2,500 prophecies of his second coming and what's going to be happening in the earth, and they are just as precise. I mean, stop and think. When, when Jesus was on the cross, the very words that people were saying uh, that were observing it, they were prophesied uh, more than a thousand years in advance. It's just amazing at the incredible detail. But here is the most amazing part of this, and that is that not many people are really paying any attention to the prophecies of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. We are stuck in the same kind of situation today, the church today, uh, not just the world. I'm not, talking about the, I'm not talking about the people who don't know God. I am talking about believers are stuck in the same kind of situation today that Israel was in whenever Jesus came the first time, and that is that we have become so married to the world and the world system. We are so looking to the world, the governments of the world, to, to bring solutions to the problems of mankind. We are so disconnected from the Word of God, the promises of God, the life of God, that the real truth is, I don't, people are, are doing a combination of things. Number one, they are creating doctrines to convince themselves that the second coming of Jesus isn't true, it's not really going to happen. Uh, and then, then there are people that are just convincing themselves that none of the prophecy of the second coming are actually true. But the biggest problem is this, even among those who have some desire for Jesus to come back, the problem is we, just like the children of Israel, they did not want uh, the suffering Savior. Now, when Jesus came the first time, there were prophecies, hundreds of prophecies about the fact that he would come, he would die, he would become our sins, he would pay the price for our sins, he would suffer, and that he would come with no, with no judgment. In his first advent, if he was his first journey to planet Earth, he was not here to pronounce judgment, he was not here to deal with all of the issues of sin and rebellion and lawlessness and all those kinds of things. And so, uh, the problem is we have become so humanistic in our concepts of Christianity. We have so rejected the righteousness of God. We have so rejected 
the justice of God, that the real truth is many Christians, maybe even the great majority of Christians, they do not want the coming king. They, they would rather see another baby come and lay in a manger. They'd rather come and see another suffering Savior come and hang on a cross than to see uh, the Savior, the Messiah, uh, the King of Kings, come back and rule and reign in righteousness. And so I, I'm just telling you, uh, and, and part of this series is not to beat you up or condemn you, but I want to make sure, help you understand that you will not fall into these people who are looking for a Savior, a Messiah that is different than what the Bible is describing, that will accomplish a totally different set of goals and agendas than he uh, did in his first coming. Jesus is not going to come back and be a helpless baby laying in a manger. He is not going to come back and be a suffering Savior hanging on the cross. He is going to come back and be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he will personally conquer all the kingdoms of this world. He will establish a system of justice, a judicial system that will actually be based on uh, the laws and the commandments that uh, were used to have civil order in the nation of Israel, and, and he will rule the entire world. And uh, now I'm not talking about getting back into legalism. I'm not talking about getting into earning righteousness. I'm talking about civil order. And unfortunately, uh, the, church has, the church has no stomach for civil order because they really don't believe in the goodness of God. They don't believe that we can have peace uh, and, and relative tranquility here on planet Earth by utilizing and accepting and implementing the judicial system that God gave us. Now, throughout the Bible, you know, we do have models and examples of God delivering people. You know, we have models and examples of the rapture. Uh, it's so bizarre to me if, you know, you, you put anything about the rapture out there on Facebook, and you're going to have people saying that the rapture is not real, that it's not in the Bible, that it is a fabricated uh, a doctrine that was developed in the, you know, in, in, in the Middle Ages. And, and you just read that and you think, you've evidently never read the Bible for yourself. You, you might have lifted a few passages of Scripture out, but uh, the Bible speaks very clearly of the fact that really there, there are going to be two appearances, if you will, two manifestations of Jesus in the end time. Now, what's and this is where we get a lot, a lot of our confusion. We have prophecies about what we call a rapture. Now, the word rapture is not in the Bible. The word rapture is actually based on a, uh, a Latin word. In the Greek, it's the word harpazo. And the word harpazo talks about a catching away or drawing away. And that describes what's going to happen in what we call the rapture. Now, the, the, this, what's interesting, when Jesus catches us away or draws us away, we have all of these very explicit prophecies about him taking us out of planet Earth. And then when you have prophecies about his second coming, you have very explicit prophecies about him coming and us coming back with him. So in one event, he's catching 
the bride of Christ away. He's taken us away for the for the marriage feast of the Lamb. He's taken us away to to escape the wrath of God that will begin to be poured out three and a half years into the tribulation. Now we're delivered from the wrath of God. That is the very first promise of redemption and salvation is that we are delivered from the wrath of God. And so we will not be here when God actually pours his wrath out, beginning at three and a half years into what we call the tribulation. And uh, uh, I am so incredibly thankful for that. But we will go away and we will participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb and then we will come back with him uh, when he overthrows the Antichrist and his armies, and we will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years, and we will rule and reign in, in justice. We will rule and reign in, in, in the way that God taught Israel to do it, and they didn't do it, the way God taught us to do it within the church. You know, the church, the church was never called to rule the world. The church was called to, to take the gospel to the world, to teach the world how to be disciples, but the church has never been called to, to rule the world. And, uh, uh, and the church is, is not going to rule the world when Jesus comes back. Jesus is going to rule the world. We are going to continue to be delegated authorities in planet Earth, just like we're supposed to be uh, right now. But uh, but uh, Jesus is going to personally come back, and we're going to we're going to talk some about that. But He is going to come back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not as the suffering Savior. But you ha you have types and models and examples of God uh, of God taking people out of the world prior to the flood, which are types of the rapture. Then you have types of God saving people through the flood, through the ark, which is uh, 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 types of, of being delivered because you are in Jesus. We have, we have types of the rapture. We have types of the second coming. Now, Moses came as a deliverer to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, and Egypt is a type of the world. Now, I'm not going to go into too much on this right now, but I want to go into one key thing. I want you to understand that uh, Moses, who was called to deliver the children of Israel, and uh, for many of the children of Israel, this was a blessing. This was the fulfillment of a promise that had been made to them hundreds of years uh, beforehand. And, uh, and, and that promise was passed on from generation to generation to generation. And people who believed that promise and people who became uh, disgusted with being under the bondage of the Egyptians, they were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for someone to deliver them out of Egypt. Now, uh, the problem was, is there is this group called the mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with Israel. But the problem is, they didn't really want to leave Egypt. They were the ones that griped and complained and and uh, kept talking about how much they missed the food that they had in Egypt and all that kind of stuff because their heart was still in Egypt. Now, here's the interesting thing. You will read in the English translation of the Bible how that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And you, you, you'll read scriptures like that. You'll read scriptures about God giving people over to, uh, you know, to their own 
to their own perversions and to their own lusts and their own desires. In the English, it sounds like God is making those things happen. Well, no, the real truth is people uh, uh, harden their heart toward God, not because God is predetermining for that to happen to them, is happening because of the condition of their heart. And so not every Israelite that was in Egypt uh, really was looking forward to making this journey out across the wilderness. You know, they'd never been out. They'd, they'd never been out of Egypt. Nearly none of them had ever been out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, just like we are slaves to sin in this world and until we come to the Lord Jesus. And uh, uh, and so, but they didn't know what was out there. They had never ventured beyond where they lived. The world that they knew, the world that they understood was defined by what they experienced in Egypt. Well, the problem is in, in the world today, there are believers who their concepts of God, their concepts of the supernatural, their concepts of eternity are limited to uh, what our educational system tells them. Uh, they're, they're limited to how we define things here in this natural world. And the real truth is, uh, that's what you call a carnal Christian. The, the word carnal just means natural. This is, this is someone who thinks about God in a natural way, tries to, tries to understand everything about God just based on what they can see with their eyes, what they can grasp with their intellect. And so just like it was in Egypt, there are there are people that are believers that will cause uh, really gross stumbling and fear and unbelief in those who uh, are seeking to trust God, those who are preparing for this journey to leave planet Earth with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so, and so I want you to understand. Just just being a Christian does not mean that whatever deliverance God is providing for us during uh, the tribulation, whatever protection he's trying to provide, doesn't mean just because you're a Christian, you are going to forcibly participate in that, or that you're even going to allow God to prepare your heart to enter into the greatest victory that you could ever, ever live in. You know, it's a, uh, in, our, in our Bible college, uh, we, we have a course called eschatology. Eschatology is a, a study basically of end time events. And we study, uh, we study primarily the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation because those are the two places in scripture where you can get the clearest understanding of what's going to happen in the, in the end times. And uh, one of the things that I'm a real stickler about, if, if you're taking that course, and you ever refer to it as the book of Revelations, I would fail you. If you ever put that, if you ever put that into one of your writings, because, uh, and, and because I'm trying to drive a point home, the book of Revelation has all kinds of visions of horrible things that are going to be happening in planet Earth. And let me tell you something. Religion tries to make you believe that all of these horrible things that are happening are, in fact, the judgment of God. Well, the real truth is the first three and a half years of tribulation is the tribulation of the Antichrist. It is the torment that the Antichrist brings upon planet Earth. And if 
if I understand the scriptures correctly, there will be a rapture where the church, the bride of Christ, at some point in there is, is delivered so that when God pours his wrath out on planet Earth, the whole point of God pouring his wrath out on planet Earth is he's pouring it out on the Antichrist and his followers. He's not trying to pour it out on, on people who are getting saved, people who are trying to follow him. Uh, and, and honestly, so many people are going to turn their hearts against God because they're going to blame him for the horrible things that are happening. But the earth is going to get worse and worse and worse as the ungodly uh, actually rebel against God, fight against God, turn their hearts against God, and seek to uh, have a great life, seek to have whatever it is they're desiring in life, Whatever it is they think will deliver them, they're going to try to have that based on what the world's system is offering them. And there is going to be no deliverance through the world system. You know, in, uh, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, Finally, there, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Now, I'm telling you, I could just spend hours and hours and hours talking about the righteousness of God. The reality of it is the Bible teaches that you cannot move on to maturity. And the King James will use the word per perfection. And it's not talking about flawlessness. It's talking about maturity. It's talking about stability. You cannot become a stable believer until you have a clear biblical understanding of righteousness. And uh, righteousness is about the rightness of God, and uh, not, not, not just the fact that God is right, not just the fact that God does things right, but he does things right, and he does it from the motive of love and with the intention of always healing and recovering and setting people free. Now, you know, when we're right, we want to be right so we can win the argument. We want to be right so that we can control other people. We want to be right so that we can have our way. That is never God's intention for being right. His intention uh, for his rightness is to give us the truth that we need to get set free. Therefore, his motive for how he implements righteousness is always love, and love is about value. Uh, considering somebody precious, holding someone in high regard. So God has high regard for us. He has great value for us. And as such, his righteousness is always expressed with the intention of making us whole, bring us to completion. But we can't come to maturity. We can't come to completion until we accept God's definitions of righteousness. Now, all of the law and all the commandments, uh, and I just, man, I just hear people say the craziest things about the law and the commandments, uh, things that are not in the Bible, things that God never said. Uh, most of our misunderstandings about the law and the commandments came out of the Talmud, out of the writings of the Jews, where, where they began to uh, have teachings about God and, and teachings about how they interpreted Scripture. And those teachings about how they were going to interpret Scripture became uh, more important to them than the actual Word of God came. And so really, they abandoned the Word of God uh, in exchange 
for the explanations that they had about the Word of God. Well, that's exactly what the church has done today. Uh, it amazes me how little of the Bible the average Christian uh, believes and how much less of the Bible they have, they have ever, ever, ever actually been taught. And so, you know, the righteousness of God, oh, man. Uh, and, and I'm going to have a series on this for you pretty soon. But anyhow, uh, Paul says there's laid up for him a crown of righteousness uh, that the righteous judge will give to him on that day. What day? That day of the Lord. He says, and it's not uh, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Uh, Paul is talking about a time when we stand before God, and actually the Bible calls that the judgment seat of Christ. Every Christian is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, we're not going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to determine whether or not we're going to heaven. That was determined whenever we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we surrendered our life to him, when we received the free gift of salvation. Uh, but the judgment seat of Christ for the believer is where all of our works will be judged. And see, see again, we are just we're just flooded with people saying that our works don't matter. Well, they don't matter as far as getting you saved. They don't matter. There's a lot of places they don't matter, but they matter as far as our rewards, as far as, as, as how we honor God, how we influence the world around us. I mean, uh, uh, we, we were saved for good works. That's what, and our good works are to honor God and to influence the world and show the world what God really, really looks like. But so, so we're all going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, what's interesting here is that that Paul talks about how that everyone is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive um, a crown of righteousness. And we know it's going to be based on not the righteousness of Christ. Christ gave us the righteousness as a free gift that gets us born again but the manifestation of righteousness and how we treated people, how we showed the love of God to people, how we brought people to Jesus, how we use our time, our life, our talent, our resources to be a blessing uh, to the inhabitants of the world. And uh, But the problem is not everyone is really going to love the appearing of Jesus because not everyone Many uh, many believers, and I'm not talking about lost people right now. I'm just talking about believers. Many believers are like the mixed multitude uh, of, of the Israelites in Egypt, where the truth is that we have become so accustomed to life here on planet Earth that really we don't want Jesus to come and take us away. We, we're not ready to go to live in a whole different standard of life. We're not ready for the millennium where Jesus is going to rule and reign in righteousness for 1,000 years, and that's going to be the, the uh, justice, the civil justice of planet Earth. Well, when you begin to look interestingly, well, actually, 2 Thessalonians, 2nd chapter, uh, the 10th verse, the Apostle Paul is talking again about the second coming, and he talks about people who will perish because they didn't receive the love of the truth. And see, again, not every believer loves the truth. 
it's amazing how many believers uh, would reject a God that's going to rule and reign in righteousness. Well, that means that the only alternative that you've got left is to believe in a God that's going to rule and reign in humanism or socialism or some other ism that is not based on the Word of God. Not every believer loves the truth. Not every believer actually is looking for and hastening the coming of the Lord. Not every believer falls into that category of people uh, where it says that the Spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so, so there will be many believers, and this may be why there's going to be a great fall in the way. The Apostle Paul talks about the sequence of events that's going to happen starting that start at the beginning of the, what we call the tribulation that's going to unfold, particularly during the first three and a half years uh, of, of tribulation. And, and, and one of the things that's going to happen is there's going to be a great falling away. People that turn their backs on God, that stop following God. Well, those are going to be people who do not love the truth because in their mind, they see the truth as a burden. They see the truth as something that's negative and hard and condemning. And rather than through their relationship with God, allowing their hearts to be transformed, uh, they're just kind of going and joining groups and clubs and denominations and churches uh, uh, that, that really have a liberal gospel that doesn't believe there's any value in godliness, don't believe there's any value in this. And so one of the things that you begin to see throughout the book of Revelation, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to read many of these, like in Revelation 3.10, which is, a, which is really one of the letters to the churches, Jesus is saying, you know, uh, you know you've kept my commandments, uh, and, and, and you're going to persevere, and I'll keep you from the hour of trial, which has come upon the whole earth, to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, this phrase, dwell on the earth, this is, when you begin to look at this, and you see this several times throughout the book of Revelation, and, and, you, and you hear this warning to, to people uh, who, who have got their prior drunk. You know, there, there's going to be two prophets that are going to come and that are going to that are going to call fire down from heaven and destroy some of the people that we think are going to be the saviors in the end times. And it, and it talks about these people that dwell on the earth will rejoice when these men of God are destroyed. Well, you begin to look at this phrase, dwell on the earth, and many scholars say that this, this could be better understood if we use the phrase earth dwellers. Well, what do you mean, earth dwellers? Everybody that lives on earth is an earth dweller, right? No. An earth dweller is a person whose life is here on planet earth, a person whose citizenship is here on planet earth, whereas there are people that have their citizenship and their awareness of their eternal home as, as being with the Lord Jesus. And ultimately, earth dwellers embrace the values uh, of this world. They embrace the world system. They're looking for security in, in, in the world system. They're looking for a civil order here in the world system that will make sense to their carnal minds. Uh, they, they are looking for something in this natural world uh, that's going to be their security and their deliverance. And and the Bible warns over and over again, woe to the earth dwellers, those people who their mind is set on these things here on earth. Their understanding of God is limited to this natural world. Listen, I want you to understand something. 
you can begin to prepare yourself. You can change your citizenship, not just because you're born again, but because you have set your mind on the eternal kingdom where Jesus will rule and reign in righteousness and where we will spend our time with him. Listen, I want to encourage you. Be sure and check out all the great products that we're offering you at a great discount and the more than 2,000 free messages we have on our website. I want to help prepare you to be a heaven dweller, a citizen of heaven, not an earth dweller. I'm going to be talking to you some more about this next week, so be sure and jump back in here with me. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.